0: In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argo's podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos draft preview brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. The Argos signed an American running back, Javon Leak. We'll dig into that a little bit. I think this could be a huge move. Plus, we'll talk about the Argos draft process, what the room will look like, how it's going to go down. I also want to address the myth, I believe, of this being a weak CFL draft class. We'll talk about why there's that perception and why I may why that may not be the case. Then we'll go through the first round, who the Argos are probably going to target, who we would target if we were the Argos, and we'll kind of go through those first 3 picks cuz they're all big with three picks in the top 15, and then we'll go through some mid and late round targets that we'll be looking for. All that more coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. JB, let's talk about Javon Leak, American running back. Are you running out to buy a Javon Leak jersey? (laughs) Uh,
1: No, Uh, but I think it's a nice it's a nice addition. It's yet another returner. Um, You know, I think clearly the Argos recognized that returning um, was a bit of a, a dead zone last year, so I'm all for. Getting guys in who can be, you know, I think I think really they're bringing guys in to be returner one. You know, bring in a couple of guys that have good returning history. Let's see if any of them really pop, because um, that can be huge in the CFL. And then, you know, I think probably running second, in in my opinion.
0: Yeah, he's he's a terrific kickoff return guy. Not a punt return guy, but a kickoff return guy. scored three kickoff return touchdowns at Maryland. Uh, was actually, I, I believe he was all Big Ten as a kickoff returner as well in his in his last season at at Maryland. So yeah, he's he's great at it. You watch his his highlight tape, and there's some amazing returns for for touchdowns and some almost touchdowns too. He's got really good vision. His speed is phenomenal, but that's one of the things that sort of did him in uh, when it came to the NFL draft. They were expecting him to be one of the better running backs in that draft class because. He just looks so fast on the football field, but he didn't test well. and some guys just don't. Some guys don't run good 40s. You look at you look at him running 40 yards in a Maryland Terrapin uniform. He's fast. They were talking about him in that draft class being the fastest player in the big 10. but then he ran a 465, which still sounds still sounds good, but they were expecting this to be a 44 number and it wasn't that scared a few people away. He ended up going undrafted. Bounced around a little bit, uh, New York, Washington, Detroit. The issue with him as a running back, and you know, you're you're ideally trying to get him. It, it's a tough job to get in the NFL to to be a kick returning running back because it it does mean that you're going to be expected to get carries. You're going to be on the field. Uh, you don't want to have you know four running backs active on game day. You just can't really do that, and so. For him, the issue was running up the middle. He's not that kind of ball carrier. He watches stuff at at Maryland, and he likes to take things out wide. He likes to bounce out wide. Uh, he's a nice outside zone runner with that sort of one perfectly timed cut back and then just explode through the middle. But he's not a gap runner that that you're you know going to rely on for most of the uh, the carries in the NFL game. So that may set him up, though, to be a really nice CFL running back though,
1: yeah, I think he you know he's got some d j Foster in him for sure. Um, you know, does that does that make for a complementary role? You know, do you need two dJ Fosters? i you know, I'm not sure, but um yeah, I, I agree. I think you that's the kind of CFL running back you want. you're not you're not necessarily looking for somebody. Uh, who's gonna run between the tackles? You know, maybe you know, maybe jets, maybe um, you know, uh, screens, um, you know, and 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 go with it from there in terms of his, you know, he has elite CFL speed in terms of you watch his film. Um, you know, I'm I'm surprised to be honest. I'm surprised he was available. Like I know he did the practice squad dance for you know, um, two years. And that kind of died off. So I guess that that makes sense. But I would have thought he he might have been able to do one more year of that.
0: Yeah, me too. And maybe it's just that he wants to play and he thinks this, this will be an opportunity. And it it might be like he does look really good. And he's a little bit different from DJ Foster, like size wise. But they used him in a similar way like at Maryland he was he often was not lined up as the lead back he was coming from the slot they ran him on a lot of jets and um you know fake jets misdirection plays and you know that's where he he accumulated a lot of his carries and that we saw DJ Foster used like that in two back sets last year where you had White lined up as the running back Foster over in the slot and he'd come tearing around so he certainly does fit into coach Dimwitty's playbook in that sense He's a little bit different in Foster because he's he's bigger. He's six feet two fifteen, uh, similar speed uh, to Foster, but uh, you got a little bit more a little bit more weight and size um, behind Leak. Uh, although he doesn't really look like it, he 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 looks sort of tall thin. Uh, you wouldn't guess him at being 15 but he did officially weigh in at that at that weight so yeah he's interesting and i wonder if he could be a you know regular running back in the CFL or if he's more suited to that slot style and i really don't know it's another guy i'm really excited to see in camp another guy i'd love to see with some carries in the preseason but he's he's got really good big play potential not only in the kick return game but as a running back so you know he may he may do some some impressive things in preseason. So, yeah, I'm excited about that backfield. Now, what it may change, I had been forecasting, maybe projecting, certainly thinking about Daniel Aboboye as a draft pick for the Argos. He's really the only Canadian running back in this year's draft class that I think is going to see time on the field as a running back this year. And that was being fueled by my thought that you are going to have Andrew Harris as your lead back and having Adebayo Boye as your backup makes that position Canadian. And then you treat DJ Foster basically as a slot back. And he fills in as an American slot back whenever he comes into the game. And that was that was my plan. That was how I thought this was going. But now with this signing today, I wonder if this throws my projection off or if they just see him as... Uh, you know, someone that's battling with DJ Foster for a position. I don't know how they look at that. All right, JB, let's talk about the draft process. So we know from Hoagie's articles over the years kind of how the system is set up uh, with the Toronto Argonauts on draft day. And we assume it's going to be the same again this year. And if if you, I, I hope Hoagie gets a chance to write a behind the scenes story i think he will uh those are fantastic he's he's written them the last couple of years he has amazing access and he always says like there's certain things he's not uh supposed to talk about you know players that they wanted but that you know the team couldn't take because he was taken by somebody else um etc but for the most part you get really nice insight into the behind the scenes workings and in a year where we've seen a lot of cfl teams with these sort of little documentaries on what's happening behind the scenes. The Argos in this way have been doing this for years with, with Hoagie. So I'm hoping we get a little peek behind the scenes again this year, but we know their setup is basically as follows. They spend time prepping where, The Argos staff will kind of take ownership of a specific team. So it's the team they're most familiar with. So like Coach Donovan, for example, probably is going to be Montreal. Coach Costanza is going to be Winnipeg. Calgary could be (laughs) any number of guys, probably Coach Mace, because he was there most recently, Coach Fields in Edmonton. And they kind of, you know, scatter the other guys where they see fit. And then you go through a ton of mock drafts. You need this when you're picking where the Argos are picking. Last year it was seventh. This year it's sixth. There's so many variables. And you remember how bananas it was last year, JB, we had a thought coming in. And right off the top, Hamilton picks a tight end, and everybody was all over the place. The Argos end up with Nicastro, who turned out to be an excellent pick. But I think I had him as, as a third or fourth rounder. Everybody's mock drafts were thrown in the garbage, a few picks in. But it's so important to have those mocks in a setup like this where you really don't have a sense of how the other teams are going to draft. So do you, coming into this, JB, have like six guys that you're saying, well, these are our top six, and we're going to stick with this no matter what. Whichever one is left here, when it's our turn, that's the guy we're going to take?
1: Yeah, I I think you have to trust your board. Um, You know, everything I've read and and looked at, uh, you know, drafting is a bit of a mugs game um even the smartest minds in football uh, often will have years where they don't pick anybody correctly um so you're always looking to throw as many as many darts as you can but uh, i i do believe you have to you have to trust your board and and go down with your board so if you have you know you have your top 5 ranked and or your top 7 And you go with whoever is left. Uh, I think that's. I think that I'm. I'm definitely a best player available. uh, uh, Follower. That's you know. I, I I think that is always the case. You absolutely should never look past talent for positional need.
0: And I know there have been discussions. I, I'm getting so excited about the draft, just talking about this. But yeah, in, in talking to, I, I talked to Hoagie last year on on this show, and you know we we talked about how there were some of those discussions. And time starting to tick down, 30 seconds left. We got to make our pick. So it clearly for them isn't as simple as just sticking with the order, because if that were the case, then your draft pick would only take a few seconds. You'd be up and you say, "Well, this is the this is the next guy on our list, so we'll take this guy," except you have to also take into account how the draft is shaking down. So, you know, what if way more receivers go early than you were expecting? Although I don't think any more than people are expecting are going to go early because there's already a lot projected to go early. But, you know, whatever the position is, if it's not unfolding the way that you thought it would, and suddenly a guy that you didn't think there was any way he was going to be there, and suddenly he is, and now you're like, well, can we get him with our next pick? And the Argos with three picks in those top 15, it's a little bit like last year where... They really wanted Sage Dockstater and they didn't think Peter Nicastro was going to be there when their pick was up at seven. He was. They are talking about, you know, just do I guess do we take Dockstater here? Do we wait for Nicastro? Because a lot of people had him projected, not, not all people had him projected as, as a third or fourth round guy, I guess, but there was a feeling in the league that he was projected to go very high. And so they had to kind of, you know, weigh that. I don't know what their actual board looked like. I don't know. I assume that they would have had De Castro uh, as one of their top picks. That's certainly, um, that's certainly what it seems like. So, yeah, I don't know if it's just as simple as, well, he's the next guy on the board. Let's just take him. A lot of people have talked about how this is a weak draft class. And I actually have also <laughs> talked about how this is a weak draft class. I don't actually think that's the case anymore. I, I did think that early when I was at the Combine, watching some of these guys, they weren't guys I knew as well. Nothing really blew me away in terms of Combine numbers. And when I watched some of the early film, again, guys just weren't jumping off the board the way they had been in the last few drafts. But what I've come to realize, the more that I've dug into this, and the more that I've come to believe that this is a really deep draft, I don't think it's necessarily a weak draft. I think that There just isn't the same amount of film on a lot of these guys. And most of these guys, the film that there is on them, are coming off a year where they didn't play. Because of canceled seasons in 2020, you have all this time where there's no development, where guys that are now seniors aren't really getting their senior year because they're guys that are going back for another season. Uh, They're starting ahead of you. You're getting split time. And even those guys are coming off a year of not playing football. And there's rust. There's all sorts of factors. So I don't think the quality of the athlete is any lower. And I don't think the potential for these athletes is any lower. I just think what they were able to put on tape didn't necessarily match up to what players who didn't have to pause for a year through a pandemic were able to put on tape. That makes some sense?
1: Definitely. I mean, you know, the NFL also feels like this draft coming up Is not particularly good, and you have, you know, a a year off. Look, football is about development more than almost any sport. It is such a coach-heavy sport. You know, you got have you have to have reps. You have to be in a system. You got to be watching tape. You got to be playing and practicing. And when all of that gets blown up, it's going to hurt development. It's going to hurt people from making steps. And you're going to have to do a lot more. Projecting about okay, this you know this guy didn't make a senior jump because everything got screwed up. So if we put him in the system, is he going to be able to do it? So it's way harder. Um, but it is not surprising that after a you know two year pandemic, that things are a bit upside down, right? I mean, it wouldn't make any sense for it to be um, on paper. a a strong draft because, you know, the whole developmental system has been turned upside down. So I I agree with you. I think it's going to be a draft where somebody's going to get drafted in the second round who's really, really good.
0: I think it even could be later than that. I think there might be guys that are in the back half of this draft (laughs) (laughs) who actually turn into players. It's tough. It's so tough to get like some of the guys that, you're looking at their testing numbers and you're looking for film, you're looking through games, you're like this, you know, this guy, this guy barely got on the field because there was, uh, you know, a returning starter who was, uh, allowed to return due to the, due to the the pandemic, who's sort of outclassed. Yeah, no, uh, I think that's
1: exactly the point is last year's crew were really the ones where all the accommodations were made. And this year's crew are the ones that really got shafted by the pandemic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and those, and those are the diamonds in the rough that I think are going to pop out of the third, the fourth, maybe the fifth round. Uh, and it makes, like, what a way to evaluate the scouting department. Like, this is a big test for, for Alex Russell, for Vince Magri, for all the, all the scouts uh, across the CFL, because there are going to be some scouts who look like absolute geniuses from this draft and some who don't. And, you know, it occurred to me in in, in making up my draft board, which and if you haven't seen my draft board to this point, you can find it on exesinargos.com. The draft board takes me forever to make. I, I watch a ton of film. I go through the combine. I was at the combine uh, watching it live and I'm doing as much as I can. But what I don't have access to that the scouts, the general managers, the player personnel reps, they all have access to interviews. And that is going to be a hugely important factor this year, not just talking to coaches and, uh, you know, from the from the U Sports teams, but actually getting to sit down with each of these athletes. And that's something that uh, was going on at the Western Harbor Castle in the first few days of the draft where they've got players cycling through those interview rooms. You can get to know a ton about a player there because you can talk to them and say, okay, well, we've only got, we've got these tapes and you're just not, you're not feature here. Like, why aren't you there? And they can give you their story. They can talk about it. And you can test them too. And you can say, well, let's 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 talk about this play. Let's talk about this play. What's your recall about this? Talk to me about this coverage. Talk to me about this concept. Talk to me about your adjustments here. And that's stuff that none of us have access to except people within those teams. And this year more than any, it's it's going to matter. And that's why I expect this draft to be, Bananas. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be the weirdest draft. Last year's was weird. We were all over the map last year. Nobody's mock drafts were anywhere close. Nobody's predictions were close. Uh, we, I remember going on, going on the uh, the the CFP live show. I think in the fifth round, uh, I went on as as a guest on that show, and the guys were hilarious because they had all made mocks. And those guys knew more than anybody about that draft class leading up to it. Anybody that wasn't working for a team and they were just shaking their heads they're like what what is going on here guys that were being projected really late were going early and vice versa and so i think this one's going to be even more like that because of those player interviews
1: well when you know when a draft doesn't have the kind of star power of jake burt in it it's it's going (laughs) to look like a lesser draft
0: I i still can't i still can't believe jake burt went first overall now He's uh, i I guess gonna gonna be a factor this year, so maybe maybe they will have us laughing out of the other sides of our faces. but uh, at the moment, I'm not sure uh, I, I still don't I still don't get that one. It's such a strange pick to me, but yeah, who knows? It's again, who knows what that process was like? Who knows what that interview was like, how that went. Uh, j b, let's actually, before we get into our first round, there's one more thing that we haven't talked about. It's just a little story but Touchdown Atlantic tickets went on sale today. And I casually took a look at this a couple hours into the sale and they were sold out. They were gone. And I believe that's 10,000 seats that they're selling because the the regular capacity crowd I think is a little under 3,000 um, in, for, for Acadia. And so they've added bleachers. And I think that's going to be somewhere in the 10,000 mark. I believe they are entirely sold out now. I'm not positive on that, but that's what it looked like. Um, on the on the ticketing website, so uh, that's amazing. And this this is your your Halifonians, Uh Haligonians, uh, Haligonians. Uh, why is it Haligonian? There's no G in Halifax.
1: Oh, I'm sure it's British.
0: All right. Well, your Haligonians answering the bell here and selling at that game, or people from Saskatchewan, possibly.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, on a on a side note, my friend who had bought tickets to watch the prior atlantic game was happy to finally get his refund two years later um so congratulations on that finally coming through um yeah i mean look i i don't know i mean they're having this game in the middle of a field in the middle of the province you know i guess people are just going to go down there and uh you know get gooned up and uh i guess you know stay (laughs) off the highway
0: yeah, um, and, and but for some people, they just got to be careful because there's just not a lot of options. We talked about this before. There's not a, a lot of places to stay around there. <laughs> so nowhere. yeah, you
1: there's nowhere to stay. So get your. I mean, get you know, you could probably make good money being a, you know, running a transport. Um, you know, like they do. Like you know, I know, like in Boston, right? You can hire a van to take you from Boston to Foxborough. So. There's probably some decent money in that if you want to drive people to the game and then drive them back after.
0: Sounds like you've got a side job while you're out covering that game for us. (laughs) That that could be fun. Some good stories, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see how it all goes down.
0: Let's get to the first round of the draft. All right. So as it sets up, JB, my number one target is still going to be Adebiboye, the running back from Bryant University. Uh, He's 5'9", 218", Ran a, a 4 6 nine. Uh, I like his three cone as well. He's a, a strong back, a top pick, a guy that I think can be on a CFL field this year getting meaningful minutes. He's not gonna start over over Andrew Harris, but I would feel totally comfortable with him coming into the game in relief of Harris or if Harris went down for for a couple of games uh, out of a boy stepping in. I don't. He's not being projected this high. I've got him third on my draft board because mine's Argos specific. I don't think league wide he's going to be viewed as the the third most draftable player. I, I expect him to be somewhere in the in the teens or maybe even early twenties. But I think for the Argos, the chance to make running back a Canadian position, I think this is the guy you have to go after. And I think he's definitely going to be there at six. I can't see anyone else taking a running back that early. I'm not a big running back guy. I don't usually believe in spending a lot of resources uh, on running backs, but I would make this call in this place. So that's what I would do. JB, what are you looking at? What would you do if this is your draft room?
1: Yeah, I am i i don't hate it. Um, I don't think, you know, r- running back is not set for, for the Argos. I think that they're fine for this year. I, I don't hate it if they went running back there. For me... Um, like I mentioned before, if I'm the Argos, I'm going uh, pick six and pick ten uh doubling up offensive line. Go get a couple of offensive linemen. You're you are set at almost every position on the team. Anybody you pick is for two years from now. Um I would go get two offensive linemen. I think that's the only I, I don't I don't want defensive linemen in this draft. Um, so I want offensive linemen go get two. You're not going to regret it. I mean, I think if if one of those two turns into a starter, that's an absolute kill.
0: Yeah, it's true. And th- with both of those positions, with both running back and offensive line, there really aren't guys that you're going to get later. So, like, going back to running back for a second, if you don't get boy, you're probably not getting a running back that is going to be on the field this year uh, or maybe at all like then the next two running backs that I've got on my board like uh, Rashid Tucker from Queens I really like him he's he's a, a great back 5'11 194 46 he's got a ton of speed but he runs really high I think he's gonna need some time that's really tough to unteach as well I think he needs a, a little bit of development time before I'd feel comfortable putting him out there getting carries as you know your lead back and Adam Macart, who I really liked early in the season, I, I worry about his durability, 5'7, 189. He, he didn't quite run as fast as I thought he would with a 4'7'4. I, I don't know. I, I like him. I like his vision. I just don't think if, if Harris goes down, I don't think either of those two guys could be the guy. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I do think Adam Baboye can. So if you're not taking him in the first round, you risk not getting a running back. And if your plan is Canadian running back, then, well, that's gone. And like you're saying with O-line, I've basically got three guys that I feel comfortable could go in and play right away. Uh, that's Noah Zaire uh, from Saskatchewan and and uh, Zach Pelios from Ottawa. I also think Redeem Brown uh, from Alberta. But... He's not a guy that I have targeted. I've got him later on my draft list because I just don't see the need. He's a center. He's not going to play guard in the CFL. He's going to play center. He's six feet 280. It'd be so tough for him to be a guard. He looked amazing at the combine. One of the best players at the combine. And that really opened a lot of eyes. He played center and guard at Alberta. But I just, yeah, I think he's a center only in the CFL. And I feel good about the center situation for Toronto. So I just don't see that as being... A need. I know Marshall Ferguson in his most recent uh draft uh, mock draft on on uh, cfl.ca has the Argos taking Redeem Brown. Love him as a player, I just don't see that as a position of need. Maybe that doesn't matter, maybe they're just going BPA and they've got him, you know, I do have him actually graded uh you know just as high as 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 there and I think just just above Pelios. But I would lean those other two guys. Noah Zaire 305". Uh, you know, probably not a CFL left tackle. He played left tackle at Saskatchewan. I would feel comfortable with him at some point this season, maybe not the very beginning, but maybe stepping in at, at a left guard spot, depending on how he looks in, in camp. I like him a lot. Zach Pelios, same thing. Like both of these guys, I think could be on the roster this year if you need them to. And and I would put Redeem Brown in there as a center, but we don't need that. So if you're not taking those guys, I just don't know. I, like, I don't know... I don't know like some of these other guys look great. I'm not sure they're for this year now if you don't care about that if you're just trying to develop uh, you know maybe Mckellar is is someone you'd look at from some from FX um uh you know beyond that there's there's not a ton of guys I feel comfortable with so i I like your strategy like if Noah's is there at six yep. maybe you take him there maybe I, you take Palios I, yeah at 10. exactly
1: that's what I do and then at 10 or I take Mckellar at 10. Um, that's what I would do. I would take two of the four best offensive linemen. I I mean, reward yourself. You have a great roster. You know, go, I know we talk about BPA and positional, but I'm like, for me, go get the two of the top four offensive linemen. You know, for me, that's it. Like, that is is my plan. I'm going to get two of these guys and, like, let's go. I'm not worried about two years from now. There might not even be a frigging CFL in two years.
0: Well, I you don't know? think that's the right attitude to well, go look, into the draft with. But
1: well, hey, this is my draft room. <laughs> this is the way this is the way I'm talking. So Well,
0: they may like forget best top two of four. Like they may get the Sure. They they may have a chance to draft their the very first offensive lineman off the board, which never happens right. in the CFL draft this late.
1: And then and then but, take the other guy, you know, and then take your second choice. I love it. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't hate if they went running back at ten. Um I can live with that, but get my guy, uh, get my guy McKellar, man, for the Nova Scotia or Nova Scotia game. Let's get a little uh, corporate synchronicity going.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, I like him. I don't think he's, I don't, I don't see him being on the field this year, but a lot of people do. He's being projected a lot higher than, than I've got him projected. I think he's, I've, I've seen him going. He's
1: a big man, that's for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's like three twenty six three. He's solid. And I know he's he's been going like 9, 10, 11, 12 uh, in that range. So, you know, it could be. I, I don't know how they see it. So this is how I see the first round breaking down. I think everybody agrees Terrell Richards uh, is going to go first overall to Edmonton. I know uh, Coach Jones has been talking all week about how he's had... Uh, offers discussions about teams wanting to trade up I don't know how much of that is is smoke how much of that is real you never know you can't really believe anybody in um, the the lead up to the draft because you're not going to talk honestly about what your plans are that doesn't make any sense at all so he's going to go first overall uh, to Edmonton I'm as certain about that as anything after that, uh, it's a little bit more mysterious. I think Deontay Knight probably goes second. He's my number two player on my board. I know Marshall uh, Ferguson has him projected as number two. Some people have him going a lot later than that. I've seen him, maybe not a lot later. I think I've seen him four, five, six. But um, he's going to go in the first round. I just think I think Ottawa's got to take him. He's going to start. Um, he's he's ready to go right away. A defensive lineman out of Western. He's got... Great explosion for a guy that's almost 300 pounds, 6'3", like 278. He's solid and can move. So he's, yeah, he's an immediate starter. He lined up everywhere. He's, he was at nose, a wide nine, three tech. Uh, he can get really skinny for a big guy. Um, I love him as a player. And I, I like, I would be, if there's an opportunity, I'd be a fan of trading up for either of those two guys, even though I don't view those as positions of need, linebacker, defensive line. I would immediately welcome Deontay Knight or Terrell Richards on the team. And I almost don't care what you have to give up in terms of draft capital. I just don't really want to give up players, but um, maybe.
1: Yeah, I mean, 6-10, and you know, if you're Ottawa, you know, you're like, okay, we need talent, you know, two picks is better than one. You know, maybe, maybe. But does anybody want to trade with the Argos? I don't know.
0: Probably not i don 't think they 're very popular at the no. moment, but i I see those guys going first. I know the Philpots are both going to go early uh everyone loves like tyson and jalen they're they 're excellent I know they they didn't people talk about their combine not being great. I thought it was still okay like they still ran four fives they they st- they still looked uh, you know really good they their one on ones weren 't i think what people were expecting and that 's where Gavin Cobb um the receiver from Manitoba really did shine in contrast to them but you watch their game film both Philpots are excellent they're a little different uh tyson Philbots a little bit more a speedster just got a little bit quicker step um, he's great at finding the ball uh, in traffic he I, I love him down the sideline um, I love him for adjustments uh, on deep balls and and Jalen Philpott, you know, they're they're basically the same guy. Uh, but yeah, Jalen's just got, you know, a, a slightly different size to him. And, you know, they both have sure hands. They both got a nose for the end zone. Either one of those guys probably is able to start this season. And so they're going to go early. Uh, but I think, like for me, the reason I wouldn't, you know, I, I'm not necessarily looking at those guys, even if one of them were to fall to six, because I think one may, I think it's quite possible one of them doesn't, like, if anyone takes an O lineman or a DB in those first five, then it means one of them's falling, one of those Philpots is falling to Toronto to six. I, the reason I don't think you take him or whoever that is, uh, Jalen or Tyson, is that it, I think it's a pretty deep receiver draft class. I really like Gavin Cobb. I, I don't know if he's ready to go this year. He's got amazing speed, four, five, three, a really good route runner. He made people look ridiculous at. Uh, the combine and he 's a guy that didn 't get the same he does 't have the same film because he didn 't get the same opportunities that the Philpots got in calgary, so you know he 's a guy that that I would like to take if you 're looking for a receiver early and i 'm not sure the argos are, but if they are that 's a guy you could go with and you know even if you don 't hit on that there's some guys later too like gordon lamb uh, he didn't he didn 't test well at all like his film looks way better he ran a, a four nine seven and he 's only he's was he 's five nine one eighty seven not numbers that you'd expect to see from, from looking at his film. His film's great. I have full confidence in Gordon Lamb. I'd draft him in the you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, um, maybe. I know that's, I've seen him projected as as a seventh round pick. Um, I, that'd be a steal if you could get him late. So I, I'm not really too worried about having to get a receiver early on. And if you wanted a mid-round guy like uh, Vincent Forbes-Mombleau is another guy I like, Laval receiver, you know what, I love about him. Uh, he's a former quarterback. I, I love former quarterbacks that play somewhere else because it, it means you're getting a ton of stuff with that. So, yeah, former quarterback with great strength and focus, good speed, who's got success in big games. Like, you know, there there's a guy that's probably going to go in, in the third, fourth, or fifth. And, uh, you know, I think you could get him on the field pretty quick, too. So, that's why I wouldn't reach, uh, or reach. I wouldn't, I wouldn't look to draft either the Philpots um, in that first round. So I, I think they both are probably gone by the time Toronto is up. But if not, I still think you don't mean, you know, maybe, maybe that's a trade back opportunity, trade back a couple spaces, maybe, maybe Saskatchewan, maybe Hamilton, although I don't see that trade happening, maybe Winnipeg. Um, you know, maybe they'd be looking for for one of the, the Philpott brothers if they do fall. So that that's an interesting opportunity. Beyond that, Enoch Maconzo is going to go early. And then the Argos are Enoch Maconzo. If you don't know a linebacker from coastal Carolina, he's going to go top five, uh, excellent player. He's ready to go right away. And so now it's the Argos up and there's just not many scenarios where I see offensive linemen taken. So it's your pick. So it's, do you want redeem Brown? Do you want Peleos? Do you want Zare? Uh, I, I think you're right, JB in that one of those top two picks is an old lineman that I still think, I still think is running back first, but uh, yeah we'll see we'll see that's the excitement of the draft could go could go anyway i wouldn't be I, w- I wouldn't be stunned by anything other than them taking a quarterback or kicker anything else in that first round would not surprise me jb let's talk about the second and third rounds as we get a little bit deeper if we go offensive line first let's say it's your scenario offensive line goes at six and at 10argos are now up at 15. Are you looking at? Are you looking for someone that inexplicably has slid at this point? Are you yeah. sticking to your draft board? Are you like? How are you approaching that fifteen um, pick? Because there, there's going to be guys there.
1: Uh, well, I, I take the running back if he somehow slides to fifteen. You never know. I think he will. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm okay taking him there. I just don't want to
0: gamble on it. Like, I, I don't think he's going to go in the in the first two rounds, but I don't want to bet on that because there's no other option. So that's why I take him yeah, early.
1: I, I, can, I can live with him at 15. Uh, I probably go with one of the Canadian DBs.
0: Mm, that's interesting. Um,
1: you know, I know like the mocks like that too. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to be contrary, um, despite <laughs> people thinking so, Um you know i i agree with you know uh with you know with with hodges mock and uh and um you know the c f l c a mock um with ferguson uh because um you know I, I think that's the that's the the clear spot i think you're looking to add a canadian safety uh into the mix i think that's probably a good pick um it's not a need pick, but uh, anytime you can add a Canadian to a position that doesn't have a lot of Canadians, I think that's a that's a good goal. So for me, I'm 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 looking at DB there. You know whether it be, um, I mean, what's interesting is some of the mocks have the quarterback there. I'm like, no, no quarterback for me. No quarterbacks, no defensive linemen, no tweener linebackers, um, none of that none of that nonsense for me. Um, you know, I like Terrell Ford. I like the kid from St. Mary's. Obviously I'm biased there. Um, you know, Adrian green. I, you know, that's, that's who I would like to see them there. It or the running back if he drops, but uh, no, no Trey Ford. Come on. We don't, that that's, that's, just, you know, that's just not necessary. I, I just, I just don't think that's what we want. It doesn't make any sense. You. you I think you're looking at two years of Macbeth here. If you want two years of Macbeth, don't don't start mucking about with uh, a dual threat quarterback who has a completely different offense than your starting quarterback. That doesn't doesn't make any sense at all.
0: I wouldn't mind it if I didn't believe Trey Ford was going to end up in the NFL, and I fully do. I've and I, what worries me is I've talked to a number of people who are very connected to the CFL who believe the Argos are going to take Trey Ford. They yeah. really do believe it. And that's why you see so many Mox. mocks yeah. um, projecting Trey Ford uh, going to the Argos. I, I hope they're wrong because I really believe he's going to spend at least two years in the NFL, if not more than that. And I'm just not sure it's worth that early a pick. Like if we're talking about a later pick, if we're talking about a third or a fourth round, sure. That that's great. He's he's one of my top one of my top projected guys. I've got him, my film grade on him. I think it's it's he's in my top three, and so I completely get it. But I have him way low down on my board because he may spend his whole career in the NFL, and I don't want to spend draft capital on that. I know there's there's something to be said for taking a gamble, but not in those first two rounds. Like you can get you can get concrete players who are going to be there this training camp showing up for you on the field contributing to your team in these rounds. And I just don't think it's worth the gamble, especially at quarterback. Because while I am excited for the Canadian quarterbacks that that are uh, going to be playing in the CFL this year, I think that's great. It hasn't been a high percentage gamble. And I love no. Trey Ford, but yeah, exactly. I, don't, I wouldn't like, do it. I
1: would say like, who who are you modeling this on? You know what? You know, how many times has... You know, somebody gone to the states and then come back and dominated. Like, I don't know. I, I don't see it. I, I, round two, no, for me. Um, I I I don't. I wouldn't touch that in round one or two. I mean, if he's still there in three, because I'm gonna take a shot with the Penn State kid in three. I could see three, but not one. Yeah, and, and he two. he
0: he may like. I don't know. Uh, I don't expect to see him here either. I think he's going to get drafted, and I think he's going to have a long NFL career. But like you say, third round and, and later, I, I'm fine with gambles. Yeah. I think that's that's exciting. But yeah, this early on, and there are a lot of DBs I really like too. But it's interesting you talked about safety, like Terrell Ford. Uh, he, I guess he, you know, he's a great athlete. He can probably play anywhere. He played mostly corner. Um, his, I'm interested to see how he transitions to the CFL because when you watch his film. His guys are always open, but it's by design. He's so fast. He ran a four-four-two. He's just, you know, far and away the fastest guy in the field at all times, and so he would bait uh, receivers, bait quarterbacks, rather, and he would play off. Receivers, he would let receivers run by him in man coverage, and then be there for the pick or for the breakup. Um, and you know that you can't do that in the CFL, so that's going to take a little bit of style change. I think he's up for it. I would love to see him as an Argo. I think that would be really exciting. Uh, but yeah, you've got to move him around a little bit. I I think we've really talked about how the hash marks may affect the the CFL game in terms of Canadian DBs, because right now with the the wide hash marks. And if you don't know what uh, we're talking about, there's, you know, this 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 move uh, that's been talked about with, uh, with narrowing hash marks in order to open up the field side a little bit and to give some more room for the boundary players uh, to execute. It's one of the initiatives that's thought to maybe improve scoring, etc. That may have an effect on Canadian DBs because right now a lot of teams use the field corner spot for Canadian DBs who they feel can make use of the fact that nobody throws over there because the receiver is miles away from the quarterback. And so if that's your weakest DB, and it often is on CFL teams, that's where where you can put someone. And that's going to go away a little bit if you've got moving hash marks. So they come in, the field's more equal on both sides, a little bit more like the NFL. Now suddenly you can't just put anybody, I'm not really giving enough respect to our Canadian DBs here, but it means you're going to need a a really solid player at both corner spots. And so now maybe you're looking to field Canadians at the free safety spot where we've seen a ton of great Canadians play free safety. So I kind of, when I'm looking at the DB targets on my list, that's more where I'm looking. So I haven't really highlighted Terrell Ford, even though you know, I'd love to see him just because I, I think of him more as a as a corner or halfback. But, uh, you know, I, I believe that you could move him there in time. He's such a great athlete. I do like Daniel Valente a lot out of Western. And he's getting projected pretty late by most people. I like him. I would take him in the second round. I think he's almost ready to go uh, at free. He reads it all. He's got great explosion. Really smart back there. Shaquille St. Lot's another DB I like. He's been playing at Maine. Uh, he's great in coverage. He tackles really well. He can play both corner spots, but I think that he would project quite nicely um, as a safety too. Uh, Eric Sutton from from Texas State, love 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 Eric Sutton. He's probably a SAM, and he's one of the few guys that like he could play free. Uh, he, he's played everywhere on the the whole secondary, and he's played against some really good competition. So you could you could play him as a SAM. You can play him as a free. He's another guy that. You might be able to get in the in the third or fourth round who could actually contribute this year, which is is big. And then uh, one of my favorite guys in this draft uh, is Zach Herzog, uh, Hillsdale College. Uh, I coached against him a few years ago, and that was not a fun experience. Uh, he was all over the defensive secondary. We had schemed for him. We were trying to bait him into and, and, into crashing on on high lows, and and he just was not falling for anything. Ridiculously fast and super smart Um, a guy that carries a a, quite a punch with him too he tackles so hard he's going to be there in those later rounds i think and i would jump all over that and i guess brandon gandry i've got around that same area uh regina db another guy that can play everywhere and, you know, sees the ball really well out of the quarterback's hands, hits hard. He's almost ready to go as well. So th- there's a lot of DBs to like in this draft. And if you're really saving it for later, John Edward from, from Carlton, I love Kadim Pierre from Concordia. Like those are guys that you can probably get in, in you know, four, five, six, seven. So there's a lot of option for DB. So that kind of makes me think maybe I don't want to go early. Maybe that's not a, a second round pick for me. Although I would, I'd be cool with, with Terrell Ford or, or Daniel Valente, I guess. Now, is this somewhere you're comfortable taking projects? Is this where we're talking like, you know, rounds four through eight, this is where you now want to take chances, take lottery
1: tickets? I'm okay at three. I mean, honestly, I'm fine, um, you know, with pick 26, like I say, um, uh, taking the shot at, uh. At, at a at a, a potential home run you know cuz if you know like look at at Penn State look if he he might get drafted you know i don't know he he's got nice sides his measurables are not through the roof i don't know i don't know i mean he, he's i don't think him being drafted in the NFL is a sure thing um i think linebacker is tough to to crack into in the NFL uh, i i think there's a decent chance he comes up um so for me, that's that's who I would take at twenty six. And that's I think that'd be great. Like he could come in and he could be you know the heir apparent at linebacker. Uh, you know, I think he could impact the team this year.
0: Oh yeah, no, he could. He would he would be no, out there I, on the field right, like right, at right away.
1: 26. I don't I don't know if he's gonna be there. But uh, um, <laughs> I like him at twenty six for me. And then after that, yeah, like four, five, six. Um You know, for for me at four, five, six, I want to take guys that have a specific elite skill. So whatever it is, if there's one specific thing that they do really, really well, that that's who I'm. That's who I'm attracted to. And you can worry about the other stuff as opposed to well-rounded guys or try-hard guys. You know, no thank you. Let uh, let Winnipeg take all those guys in Saskatchewan. you know, give me give me one elite skill, and you know, maybe you you figure out the other stuff.
0: I think an interesting flyer, and and maybe this is even an undrafted free agent. Maybe it's a late round pick. Uh, Mark David bien a offensive lineman, uh, Fresno State. Kind of, uh, he was at Fresno State for a year. Hasn't played football in a few years now, and I remember reading a story on Three Down Nation was probably might have been even a month ago, saying that he was interested in picking up football again, and that teams uh, were interested in taking a look at him. You know, that's a guy's six five three fifty at yeah. last account, uh, who could move like lightning. The only film I could find on him was was high school stuff that I was looking at, and man, he's fast for a big guy. And that's you know that's a that's a project that. I can totally get behind because that may turn into a diamond. Yeah,
1: exactly. And that's a guy with you know with elite size. So yeah. give me give me one elite give me one elite skill or get out of here. Don't be talking to me about try hard.
0: Some other players that I've highlighted that I think are kind of interesting. I, I think there are a couple of defensive linemen. Like Nathan Cherry is probably going to go too early for my liking. I I like him as a second round, third round pick i i think he might go pretty high though uh he's a defensive lineman out of saskatchewan he's just a mammoth of a man 6'1 271 he's so he's so big and he's got great bursts there's a guy that just flies off the ball right on the snap and you just don't see guy like 6'1 271 you're a very wide man uh at that size and you just don't see anybody at that size running under five seconds as a forty, and he did. <laughs> he's got like a thirty-three inch vertical. It's 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 messed up that people that that are that big can still produce athletically like this. So like I'd love him. Uh, Riley Pickett is another guy that I was kind of surprised. I, I, he looks bigger to me than uh, than he showed at the combine. He came in at, at 6'3", 249. Uh, he looks huge on the field. He could be the real deal. Plays a lot bigger than he is. Certainly, he's got nice explosion. Uh, even better explosion than Cherry. He's not as big as, as Cherry is. But yeah, those guys, I, I think, could could get into the rotation right away. So if you're looking D. Lyman, those guys, if you want a late D. Lyman, I really like uh, Sandor Maud from Carlton. He's not getting projected anywhere. And I don't know why. I really like him. Maybe there's something that I don't know. Uh, he he lines up in sort of a two-point stance a lot. He's got, a sort of a, he's got some weird technique to him. Uh, I, I like him as the three tech. I think he's a beast on the inside. High effort can you know really plug things up. Uh, he's six two two seventy, and you know I I would take a, a shot on him late.
1: Yeah, I I love I love Cherry too. Um, you know I give me the, give me that uh, give me that middle of the defensive line. You know, I don't no ends for me, thank you. Uh, but you know that guy, you know, is gonna blow things up from the middle all day. Love it.
0: And then beyond that, linebacker. I feel like we've we just we've got a lot of linebackers I really like. Yeah,
1: we. I mean, we still have the two kids, you know. Like, let's see what they are.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like, I I suppose late
1: anymore, but
0: I know, I know it's it's hard not to call them that. But if you're forced for it, like Nate Edwards from Mac, I like a lot. Uh, But I I think he's a Mac, and I'm not sure he's he's big enough at his current six feet two twenty three. Maybe maybe that's all right. Um, he's he's a great. Mac linebacker at McMaster. Um, I, I don't know how he translates, but I do like taking a shot on him. I like Jared Beeksma as well, linebacker to Guelph, six uh, one two sixteen. He diagnoses really well. I love how smart he seems to be on the football field. <laughs> I,
1: yeah, I mean, <laughs> I like the mocks having the Winnipeg. I mean, I think he's he seems destined for Winnipeg.
0: Yeah, those those smart backers. They seem to to yeah, find well, their Shade's way to. Over.
1: There's no chance of shade to go. Yeah, all right, kid.
0: Yeah, no, I I do see him. I, I could see that totally. I, there are two, just not to leave them out, although I don't think the Argos are going this way, there are two kickers that I quite like in this draft. I really like Eric Strands out of Guelph. He can boot it. I've seen him kick multiple 50-plus yard field goals. He, like he's Every game, he was kicking something from 45-plus, and he's so accurate with it. His kicks just don't get knocked down he's got good height on them he punts well too needs a bit more hang time but he he is a good punter and then dante master giuseppe from from york who i love as a punter field goals uh, i i'm not sure yet uh he's got great height you know the ball looks really good coming off his foot uh, his numbers weren't the same as we saw with Strantz, but his punting is, is fantastic. Like if you want a, a coffin corner punt, he's your guy. He's so accurate. And another guy that is a former quarterback, played quarterback in high school. Uh, he's a, he's a wonderful athlete. And he, you even like, he went through the full combine testing, uh, you know, ran a four, seven, uh, 33 inch vertical. He's a great athlete. And to have someone like, like that, who's able to play a role in the rest of things, you know, he, He could, you know, he could execute fakes. If he's not going to be your kicker, he could hold. Certainly he's got the athleticism and coordination uh, for that. So just a shout out to both those guys. I don't expect the Argos to draft them, but I do like both of those guys. Well, JB, before we sign off, I just want to mention the global draft because we haven't talked about that at all. I'm not ready for this year's global draft. I did so much work on last year's global draft. I watched so much Japanese X-League film last year, and I knew the draft inside and out, and I found it was not at all useful once mm. once the no. global draft came around. And I just wasn't ready for that this year. I know very little about the global draft, but I can tell you it is on May 3rd, same day as the, the regular CFL draft. So the global draft starts at noon. And you can follow the ticker along at noon on cfl.ca. And there's, you know, it goes three rounds. Uh, It'll be guys that that you haven't heard of. But I will say, seeing the global draft, the global combine, uh, there are some terrific athletes. It is by far the most talented uh, group that we've had to choose from globally. I don't think I see a lot of guys that are going to come in there with positional responsibilities. But I do think you're going to get a number of really nice special teams contributors from that draft class. There are guys that really performed.
1: I think I might have mentioned this to you last year. Um, Yeah, for me, until the global draft proves itself to be a source of um, CFL talent, I'm going to give it a pass.
0: And I I can't really argue with you. I like the guys the Argos took last year. I love them. But we didn't like Tiki Senko, Fantastic. Robo. Love it. Uh, uh, Tashiki Sato. Like, I love all three of those guys. But you know, where we didn't see them last year. Justice like for Thedo. Yeah. And, you know, he, he got into, it was unfortunate, the game that he got into, the Edmonton game, it didn't go the way that that we all wanted it to. But, you know, maybe they just need more time. But until we see that turn into something, it's, it's harder to get excited about, I guess, uh, when you can actually see concrete movement from the Canadians that are being drafted. So these are your dates and times, was well, one date. May 3rd, Tuesday, May 3rd, noon is the global draft and then eight o'clock, that's the CFL draft. And if you're looking for coverage, uh, you know, we'll be doing our best to keep you up to date. We will put out a podcast uh, ready for the Wednesday. So we're going to be one day later than usual. So we may be late Tuesday night recordings. So it'll be there on your phone, ready for your commute to work, ready for your Wednesday morning coffee. Um, And we'll we'll break it down and and give you everything we've got. But that draft gets underway at eight o'clock. The first two rounds are being covered on TSN. And then after that, you can continue following from the TSN website. And of course, on the CFL tracker.
1: And then the biggest question, will Dave Naylor have Canadian football helmets in his background?
0: And Naylor doesn't do that. He's got his same background. It's always up there with the he he loves his he loves his NFL too. Naylor's
1: I want Canadian football helmets in the back of any shot. Get out he of here. He doesn't
0: need the Canadian helmet to support the CFL. He supports the CFL. He's an Argos season ticket holder. I'm
1: just talking about producing television. It's going. It's Bush.
0: That stuff doesn't matter.
1: It does matter. It's Bush.
0: All right. Well, we'll see what Dave Naylor has. In the background, should he appear on the draft coverage and analysis? Come on,
1: Dan, you're better than that.
0: Well, that will just about do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast, our draft preview episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please, if you have a second, take some time to subscribe, to rate, to review, to help other Argos fans and other CFL fans find us. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long, and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya.